Hello and welcome to CXO Talk. Uh, it is Tuesday, uh, July 18th, uh, 1 p.m. And, uh, on the East Coast here. I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C. today. Um, last few shows have been from elsewhere in the world. Uh, it's episode 245. Uh, we have a very special guest, Jonathan uh, Reichenthal, uh, CIO of the City of Palo Alto and uh, luminary in the CIO world in general. Uh, welcome, Jonathan. Hi. Good to see you, Dion. Yes, uh, so great to have you. I, I was excited about this show, and I know a lot of other people have been too. Um, uh, and as an aside, by the way, for those of you watching, we'd love for you to ask Jonathan your questions on the CXO hashtag, CXO talk hashtag uh, on uh, Twitter. Um, we'll be monitoring those and, and taking your questions. Uh, so, Jonathan, uh, you know, you've been on the show before, so welcome back. Um, can you tell us, uh, you know, give us an update on where you are, your current role, um, the CIO challenges that you're having right now? Oh, I'd love to give you an update. Hey, by the way, I just want to say congratulations on 245 episodes. That That's quite an accomplishment yourself uh, with your team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's mostly Michael Krigsman, the show founder. Um, he's been gracious enough. I now have the CIO show out uh, on Tuesdays. Uh, so, uh, but thanks. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great run. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm just thrilled to to be on again with uh, with you guys. Um, love to to share our story. Uh, a lot has happened just over the last um, two years. I think it's approximately two years since we we last spoke. Um, you know, tech really matters in a government context. Tech really matters in a city context. And and I think one of the things that's starting to happen is we're getting the story better. Uh, you know it. There, there's a big difference between, you know, kind of a piecemeal approach to, to solving important uh, but disconnected city issues and creating a sort of a cohesive strategy that looks at cities as big, complex machines that have lots of interdependencies. And we begin to take a sort of strategic approach. And I, I think that's the big change that, I, that I'm seeing not only in the city of Palo Alto, but also on a global basis is the topic is now really well elevated. How can we bring technology to bear on the lives of people in cities to improve livability, uh, sustainability, and workability? To me, that's the most succinct sort of definition I can give and, and, and the way we're all beginning to, to think about this. Um, so uh, where it was sort of a, a, a peripheral topic, I believe now the smart city or connected city, intelligent city topic is moving to the center of the conversation. And it's connecting a lot of important ideas. Um, no, last time we spoke, I was talking about the things we plan to do. And now the good news is we've a lot of things that we're doing. You know, we're doing things in the transportation space. I, I hope to give you lots of examples as we talk today. We're doing activities in the uh, climate change space. Um, doing things in energy and, and then in, in the broad area of digitization or digital transformation. Um, uh, and, and, you know, one of the things I've asked, I guess, about this topic is, it, it, are there common topics in cities across the world? And, uh, and what we've seen over the last two years is not necessarily a, a honing in on sort of a, a one or two or three ideas, but the beginning of a set of categories, uh, you know, so transportation is a big category, but it manifests differently in different cities. In some cities, it's all about parking. 
In other cities, it's about congestion. In some cities, it's about the conversion to electric cars or the support for electric cars. So the category is, trans is transportation, but the way in which the problem manifests and how we solve it is going to be often unique. Um, so I think if I could summarize, it's really now we've gone from theory and visioning into a lot more action. And, and here in Palo Alto, we have a lot of great examples to share. And I'm seeing uh, more and more cities beginning to act on this now. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to, to hear from you. You know, Palo Alto is, you know, practically in the bullseye center of um, Silicon Valley. So you're surrounded by some of the best and, and brightest, some of the smartest people in technology. Um, yeah, and yet, yeah, so I wonder if you could talk about it. How, how representative do you think Palo Alto experiences is going to be to smarter, uh, smart cities elsewhere in the in the country, or even the globe? I was in uh, uh, China a few times the last uh, over the last few years, and I can't help but notice that they're building at an insane rate. Right, things like places like Shanghai are are building hundreds of new skyscrapers all the time, new roads, new bridges, all these sorts of things. And uh, in fact, do, do those? Uh, the other question I would have is, do those types of of uh, these newer developing economies actually have an advantage over us because they're building so much new infrastructure right now. Yeah, th thank you for that sort of big question. Uh, one of the things that strikes me is the sort of statistic around the amount of cement that Chinese, uh, that China's using. Um, just over the last decade or two, China has used more cement than the entire history of the United States. Um, so this is sort of big time catch up at scale. Um, and it, it does have advantages when you can build something from scratch. You know, in the United States, we have to often modernize our cities uh, in place, uh, whereas in some parts of the world, because uh, of their rapid development, they're, they have the opportunity to create brand new cities uh, out of nowhere, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Songdo in, in Korea or Mazdar in the United Arab Emirates. Um, uh, Yache in, in, in Ecuador, um, and a whole lot of new cities in, in, um, uh, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a luxury in some ways, but it's tough too. Um, you know, I, I, I do recognize the advantage that Palo Alto has. And this is getting back to the core question you asked. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you, it's, it, for me as a CIO in this city, I, I've always said it from day one, it's such a privilege. Um, to have this role because not only do I have the right set of um, sort of characteristics to help my team and I and the city manager and the mayor be successful here, um, uh, not, not only do we, do we have those, but we have an engaged community that, that wants, wants to see change. Um, and, and of course, we have this, this global brand that, that uh, has been um, created over um, uh, many, many, many decades. Um, so here's one of the things about having a, um, uh, a live uh, conference is uh, one's phone starts turning. <laughs> so I've gone ahead and muted it anyway. Um, so one of those characteristics, right? One of those categories that, that, make, uh, that I recognize and I think is an advantage here is we, it, uh, we are surrounded by tech companies and, and, and smart people who not only do they want to create great products and services, um, but there is there is something in the DNA about Northern California, which is about contributing to community and being civically engaged and being more socially responsible. Look, I, I'm not naive. I understand Silicon Valley has some significant social challenges, um, but we have a lot of positives in that area too. And I want to be sure that we recognize that. And 
and their their strengths their strengths our ability to to use the large volume of capital to 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 invest in our communities uh, to do the right thing to be engaged in issues around climate change for example uh, the, these are things that the these tech companies take very seriously for the most part um, and they I meet with them they come to my office I go out to them and the question they ask is how can we help how can we be part of this mission to uh, re-engineer, rethink our cities, uh, create cities that are going to be great communities for decades to come? And and so we have a number, a small set of of, of partnerships. Um, we uh, we've done some neat work with uh, with Verizon um, around smart lighting. Um, we're working with uh, SAP and some thought leadership around transportation. Um, and so there, there's a there's a good volume of uh, uh, tech companies who are engaged with me. Now I think that is a positive. And, and and when I get to meet some of my colleagues from different cities, whether in US or, or elsewhere, they they say, well, Jonathan, you have, you know, this incredible advantage. And I recognize it. But I also say, well, how can you tap into the uh, the benefit that you have as a community? What is the industry that's dominant? In your community, uh, or the people that uh, can can uh, influence change and finance change and uh, be change agents for you, how can you engage those people um, that are unique to your community? And so, um, it, it's a little bit harder because you know I have the technology advantage here. Other communities don't necessarily have that, um, but there are always assets I think in a city that can be brought to bear on 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 this on this kind of multi-decade. Uh, a mission. Now, the, of course, the other thing is none of this is geographically bound anymore, right? You know, if you are a, a city somewhere else in the U.S. or globally, um, our sort of uh, global community now allows people to 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 network and partner with organizations wherever they are. So, you know, got to be got to be got to be smart about that. Yeah, well, I got to believe there's there's smart city consortiums and other organizations where you guys can exchange best practices and so on, but. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's very interesting. Um, yeah, you said in your introduction that uh, when you were first on the show, you were just uh, you, you were making strategies and developing plans, and now you've actually done some things. And you mentioned uh, you know energy and transportation. Can you give us some concrete examples? What have you guys done? I, I heard you mention lighting as one of them. That, that, I think that's where a lot of a lot of cities start. Uh, but uh, give us an update on where you are uh, in terms of making Palo Alto a smart city. Yeah. Let me give you a thank you. Thanks for the question. So, by the way, I want to just kind of correct one um, one belief system that I think uh, it's something that I'm sort of championing the idea around, which is um, no one will ever become a smart city uh, because the, the baked into that statement is that you there's an end state that mm -hmm. you finish, right? Yes. So I I, um, I go through a set of thirty five journey, not a destination, right? Right, and so. <laughs> Do I finally go into the mayor's office a few years from now and say, we're done? We're a smart city. So, uh, I, you know, any a city that is attempting to have a uh, uh, bring to bear technology to move forward uh, on, on a whole set of domains, uh, this is ongoing. It, it, the work is never finished, um, but we can make progress. And we got to, by the way, we have to prepare our communities for 30 years from now, 50 years and 80 years. Um, imagine that type of planning. 
right? Well, <laughs> that doesn't I, happen and, a lot. Like power companies, when they put lines underground, they do have to do 50-year planning because they, they, they want to they have to touch those lines for 50 years. Uh, but I think the same thing with what you guys are, are doing. You know, you need a big overarching plan because you can't, you can't eat the elephant in one bite, right? Um, and that elephant's going to continue to grow, you know, to, to stretch the analogy a bit. Um, and that's why I've seen a lot of, I, I've attended uh, and spoke at some smart city um, and IoT conferences. And it seems like a lot of the focus now is kind of on smart optimization, saying, all right, we're going to help you save money because uh, most, uh, most cities aren't ready to, uh, to invest fully across the board in a lot of different smart city initiatives just from a budget standpoint, right? So uh, what, what, what's your, what has your experience been? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Let me let me throw out there a, a sort of a few few examples, and and also maybe uh, use it to uh, talk about the budgeting component of that. You know, there there are so many things we could do, right? So we're we're dealing with scarcity all the time. By the way, the only thing we have an abundance in every city is data, right? And it's the one thing we don't really uh, take advantage of. Um, we'll probably get to that topic, uh, but everything else is basically in 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 scarcity, right? Um, uh, time. Uh, dollars. Um, there's just some multiple priorities. Uh, one of the things I'm very proud of is is our digitization efforts. Uh, when I came to the city uh, a little over five years ago now, although I can't believe it, uh, the uh, there was there was a handful of uh, digital services. Uh, today we have over 60, 60, 60 services, and they range from everything from having a full online library where you can check out books online. We have the ability to report crime online. We have a whole series of apps for reporting issues. Um, you can even uh, spin up the permitting process online and, and manage it like a, like a FedEx parcel delivery where you see every step of the service. So there are 60 services now that people can basically do with their government here in Palo Alto, from a laptop computer, a smartphone, a tablet. Um, they don't have to drive to a city facility, find parking, you know, waste half their day anymore. Um, and I think that's a very practical manifestation of this change, right? People ask, what's the, what does it feel like when you're in a community that's getting smarter or using technology? And I say, it's the difference between uh, last year you had to go to a permitting center. You took a number, you sat in a chair till you were cold. You went, met some people, you probably filled out some paperwork. You probably were asked to wait again, maybe come back. And this thing went on and on and on. Now, compare that to this year, where you just, on your smartphone, you know, spin up your permit, uh, and it's completely done um, you know, asynchronously online. And it's a much more pleasant experience, right? So I, I think there's a lot of work to do there still in Palo Alto. Uh, we're 60 services in. I think there's more to do. We continue to push that. Um, many communities have a lot, a lot of work in this, you know, everything from all the services I've spoken about right through to having a, a much better uh, web experience, you know, website experience. Um, now, the other area that uh, I wanted to share, not only we've got the digitized side, the digitization side, the other area is the physical, right? Uh, the, and, and the sort of hot area right now is, the, is what does it look like to incorporate the Internet of Things in a, in a city context? Now, the background on this uh, in, in one of the projects I'm going to share right now is uh, Palo Alto is committed to a, to a project called Vision Zero. And Vision Zero is all about can we reduce and eliminate traffic accidents, you know, particularly collisions between vehicles and, and, and people. 
uh, whether you're walking or on a bicycle. I mean, the, the numbers are. You, you think you think that would be particularly urgent? Human life is involved, and so that you know. And if you're having that issue, this is a, a, an important place to focus, right? It really is. I mean, the the, the thing that I uh, get so much joy from is that the city work is meaningful, and that's why I encourage technologists to spend time in government. It's meaningful work, and it, because it, it is about people in a very direct way. Um, if we can make roads safer and intersections safer, we save lives. Parents can be more um, relaxed when their children are cycling to school. Uh, it, it, this is stuff that is deep in the heart, you know. Yeah, well, you're, and, and you're really serving the, the mission of the city, right? Which is to is to protect its citizens, and and so yeah, I think that's a good one. Well, and so you bring up a good question. We have a we have a question from Twitter from Antonio Santos, a very well known digital engagement um, thought leader. Um, and, and as part of what you just said there, uh, how are citizens being consulted by uh, the city of Palo Alto to help build a better smart city? Uh, so how do you how do you engage with them? Um, in terms of bringing them into the process and you know that journey we talked about before the show started, how do you, how do you catch them up so they're ready for all this? Uh, sure. Uh, let me quickly answer the other one, the other point, because I feel sure. there might be people watching who are like, Jonathan didn't finish his point. Right? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and I'll directly answer the question you just um, asked. Uh, so talking about uh, how do we employ technology to help with Vision Zero, right, is we are going to deploy sensors and cameras around the city uh, whilst being sensitive to privacy issues that are able to monitor in real time the interactions at intersections. And from that, we get real-time data to be able to make design choices about those intersections, everything from how to design them physically to the timing on the traffic signals. I just wanted to sort of uh, finish the little story there. You know, there's a connection between the safety of individuals and deploying a, 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 an Internet of Things sensor infrastructure to give us more rich data. And that's actually a great example that you can actually give to your citizens, showing that you know, this is why putting sensors and cameras everywhere is good. It's going to save lives. It, it is going to save lives, and, and we, we can't lose sight of this. Um, uh, th this is often not abstract work. You know, this, is, this is like, <laughs> this is in-your-face yeah. work a lot of the time. Now, you asked me about how do we engage people? I, I like that question a lot because um, cities, uh, 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 that, that's something we have to, that's a richness we have to tap into is the abundance of, of incredible people with incredible ideas um, and, and voices. We need to be able to capture voices. Now, there's a traditional answer to this question, which is when people vote for elected officials and they represent on behalf of the community, the, the point of view of the community, and the elected officials then pass down by policy to our city manager and executive team um, uh, uh, activities and priorities, and then we execute on them. That's the sort of traditional answer. So in many ways, our nine-member council members uh, are really in charge of you know, what, what I work on. I mean, ultimately, that's the bottom line. Now, more broadly, though, we, when we get to the tactics of a particular uh, effort, uh, we got to bring people into that uh, discussion. And so I, I, I'd sort of go through a few different categories. One is that you got to turn up to council meetings. You, you know, if, if you want to make change, you got to participate in the traditional methods of being part of democracy in America. And that is come to meetings, come to discussion meetings, come to council meetings, come to committee meetings. 
Um, and the citizens have to meet you halfway. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the in terms of, of, of educating them and marketing them, they have to be engaged too if they want expect to be engaged by the city. That's exactly right. No, no, very well put there. It, it is a, today more than ever, it is a partnership of, of equals, right? And, and so uh, we have a responsibility to, to enable that. And then community members have a responsibility to step up and be part of, part of the change they want to see. Now, of course, there's an abundance of digital channels. We have our own Palo Alto uh, Open City Hall uh, online platform for gathering opinions. Um, we are a community that has embraced a social network called Nextdoor. And by the way, it grew grassroots. We didn't push it as a, as a government. Uh, Nextdoor is used in many, many communities around the U.S. Uh, we happen to be one of the uh, per capita highest users of it. That's another forum. Uh, we use Facebook to some degree. Uh, Twitter, not so much in our community. Uh, email continues to be a, a popular channel, of course. And, um, now, let me give you an example, though. Uh, we have a, uh, a multi-year vision in the city of Palo Alto to, to enable the, uh, the, the highest broadband you can get for internet access from your home. Uh, and, uh, you know, we work very closely with the incumbent technology community, the, the folks you'd, you'd expect, uh, uh, Comcast and AT&T and Verizon and others. Um, and uh, we continue to explore uh, innovative ways of either supporting the incumbent community or uh, even delivering additional services on the existing fiber service that the city here at this, that, uh, in Palo Alto. And, and we're going to have, have a question about that in just a second. So we're about halfway through uh, this episode of CXO Talk. Uh, we're very privileged to have the CIO of the city of Palo Alto, Jonathan Reichenthal, uh, on the show. Uh, we'd also like to thank our, our sponsors live stream, give them a big shout out for making the show possible uh, out there. Uh, and... Um, Finally, we're taking questions on Twitter for about another 20 more minutes. Uh, CXO Talk is the hashtag. Please uh, submit your questions. And we have another one. Um, uh, you were talking about incumbents, Jonathan, uh, AT&T and Comcast, who obviously have a lot of infrastructure and bandwidth and points of presence that you can build on top of. Uh, but uh, the question from uh, another question from Antonio Santos, in fact, uh, was can the local community develop IoT solutions that can be integrated on top of uh, the Palo Alto Smart City platform, if, if that exists. Uh, is that something that, that really opened that up? Uh, are you thinking about opening up that broadly, or what's your, what's your point of view there? Okay, thank you, thank you. And, and just again, to, to finish the, the last segment, um, uh, the, the, in order to move forward with our broadband efforts on, 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 uh, on any platform in, in, in any way we can, we have a community advisory committee and by the way, just a little anecdote for you. When we, when we first formed this community, this group a few years ago, uh, you know, we invited anyone who wanted to be part of it. And we, we were excited if they had specific um, telecommunications backgrounds to be part of the, the, the meeting. When we first met with the original group uh, and we went around the room and people sort of shared their backgrounds, um, it was pretty remarkable the kind of talent we have here. Everybody, every, everything from folks who were part of the original specification of certain telecommunication protocols to uh, 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 some of the pieces that make the internet work. And they live here and they're retired in Palo Alto. So that is another privilege, but we, they're, they're, they're a voice for us. Now, um, the, the question you're asking is an interesting one or, 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 or the Twitter uh, user there, because um, I'm a big proponent of the private sector having a very strong role 
in urban innovation. And, and uh, there are going to be times when there's a very important dependency between the innovation that you have and the way you deploy it. And there's going to be times when don't wait for government. Move forward. Just do it, right? Uh, and we as a government can facilitate it. We can make, uh, we can issue the permits. We can, you know, help with the, with the, um, you know, the traditional paperwork that goes with operating in a regulated environment. Uh, but, um, but more and more, I want civic innovators and, and technology companies to understand that they have enormous freedom to deploy technology in cities. Um, uh, by partnering with cities just to make things happen. So there's this whole concept of the right-of-way, right? These are areas that you're allowed to do stuff in. I mean, as long as it doesn't break the law, of course, you know, it's not uh, nefarious in, 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 in what it tries to achieve. But if you want to put up... Well, yeah, well you're going to have the burden of what Apple had with the App Store, right? Eventually, at some point, you, know, th th you can do so much with the data and you have to very carefully give out access. But of course, if you want the innovation, you have to open up. So it's, a, it's really a balancing act, I have to imagine. Uh, it, uh, no doubt, no doubt. And I, I think, uh, I think we're, we're in a good place today. You know, if, you, uh, if your interest is deploying some sort of Internet of Things sensor network, you, know, you, you can use cellular technology. You, there's, there's a whole range of uh, even lower cost, uh, lower cost, short, distant wireless technology now that... Mm -hmm. Um, you can aggregate into a, in a collection point and have one point be the cellular collector and, and dispatcher of data. And the only thing you're really asking the city for is, can I have permission to put this on a lamppost or a traffic signal or on a, on a building, right? So uh, you don't need to plug into some sort of city infrastructure anymore. You can traverse it uh, wirelessly. Now, if you want to plug into city infrastructure, ask us, ask us, you know, and there's probably just some paperwork that needs to be filled out. Um, so, you know, I think the, I think the, the, the bigger answer to the question is, uh, don't wait. Uh, you know, you'll find out what the limitations are as you sort of proceed with your diligence and through conversations with, with uh, city leaders. But it, it, there's more space to innovate in cities than I think most people appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially as you were talking about uh, when, when you first uh, came on the show today uh, about everything's becoming so much more interconnected. Uh, and we're just in the, you know, I, I like to say we're in the cave painting days of digital, right? Um, you know, this is early days and everything's going to become instrumented and connected. Uh, and the things that we can do are limited only by our imagination. Um, but then, you know, the challenge I have, I, go to, I just got back from an IoT conference in Germany and the big conversation there was security, security, security. He had to say, because IoT has become such a threat vector and it's one of the foundational technologies for smart cities. What do you say to that? How are you, how are you addressing that, making IoT a source of, of, of good things and not, not, not bad things? Yeah, yeah. I would add to that security, security, security. <laughs> uh, and so I'm glad. I'm glad at an IoT conference that is an important part of the conversation. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think we're in a great place today uh, in, in terms of the prioritization we're giving to uh, this, the, some of this new tech. Uh, as you can imagine, the, most of the motivation is on uh, you know, winning customers, you know, deploying tech, uh, gaining mindshare. And you, you don't want necessarily to, to, to commit a lot of resources to um, uh, the cybersecurity piece, which much like insurance often, um, you know, it isn't directly beneficial, but it helps you when you need it, right? Um, so I, I, I want to see us 
move this more to the center. Cybersecurity needs to be on the on the table as we have these discussions. We've made it an important part of our dialogue here at the city of Palo Alto. Um, we 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 uh, we are investing heavily in our cybersecurity capabilities and defense mechanisms and detection systems. We're pretty proactive on this. On the Internet of Things side of things, uh, people now need to um, uh, align with our our, our uh, privacy um, stipulations. Uh, and we're by the way, we're still working through this. We're we're working with the ACLU. We're working with uh, some regional organizations. Uh, we're working through this. You know, they're, they're in, it's 2017. Um, we we we're, we're not. Uh, we we haven't fully. Uh, we don't yet have this fully worked out. I mean, that's probably and what makes it interesting for technologists who are watching and 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 Dion, you can appreciate this is uh, as we are developing. You know, uh, uh, policy and. And I'm moving forward. The, the the threats are ahead of us, so we're we're kind of like chasing it, right? Um, getting ahead of this is, you know. Well, I think everybody in technology is feeling that right now. Is that the the uh, the cybersecurity community is feeling that the bad guys are are now really organized and they're they're maybe better funded and and they're, they're becoming an issue across the board. So I just wanted to at least address that. I think it's much more exciting to talk about. The good things that can be done for citizens uh, with with these kinds of technologies. And speaking of that, we have a question from Twitter from Scott Weitzman, um, who I've had good conversations with um, uh, online. Uh, and he asks uh, a question I wanted to ask, which is, how can artificial intelligence be better utilized in services for citizens? Uh, ha have you had any experience in those 60 services so far? Are there and are there any lessons learned or pain points you can share with us? Well, we're, we're keeping a good, we're keeping an eye on this, and, and I'm, I'm following a lot of the developments. I think I think AI in a government context is still relatively young, um, and it's probably not a. If, if you're a civic leader like myself, it's probably not yet a priority. Um, but if, if you're enlightened, you need to be listening and reading and and, and observing. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give one what probably appears to be a relatively simple answer to this. Um, I've been fascinated by the emergence of chatbots. Um, you know, as, as over 2 billion people in the world now spend time every week on Facebook, and I've really got comfortable with Facebook Messenger and, and that, that platform, um, you know, the, the paradigm of being able to have a dialogue with uh, what appears to be a, uh, another uh, Messenger uh, colleague uh, but have AI actually be powering it, I think is is becoming uh, very compelling. And one of the experiments we did, in fact, just in the last four weeks, was to uh, uh, spin up a, a experimental chatbot on Facebook that would allow a person to type in a uh, just a normal natural language uh, question and have that question go out against our uh, city website, specifically the IT uh, area of that site, and come back with a meaningful answer. Um, so rather than doing a Google search where you get a thousand, you know, responses or ten thousand in the chat session, it would come back with with one specific answer. If I typed in the question, uh, "What is Jonathan's phone number?" or you know, "Can you list uh, a projects that were completed in FY17?" it would come back with an answer. Um, so I've been impressed with that AI type uh, technology. I think uh, we're going to explore it as we develop the next generation of our city's website and. And the city's um, channels for interacting between community and the and the and the government. Um, so so that's kind of 
a near term. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the AI is going to be baked into um, some of the infrastructure, for example, around supporting self-driving vehicles, um, you know, our, some of our defense mechanisms on the emergence of drones. Um, and so uh, it, it's going to kind of show up in many, many different ways. Um, yeah, it, I, think, I think you're right. It will be baked into a lot of the, the IT systems that you'll, you'll be deploying for smart cities. Uh, but we had the CIO of um, the city of Asheville, uh, uh, Jonathan Feldman, on the show. And, and he was also talking about bots as a great way to provide better 24-hour customer service, uh, you know, a place to ask questions and get access to city information in smart ways. And so I think chatbots are kind of the, the, the gateway technology drug for AI. For a lot. It's easy to get started, non-threatening, um, fairly straightforward to understand, and there's thousands of bot solutions out there. You know, uh, of course, they're all maturing. But, you yeah, know, uh, I think that's fascinating. Um, uh, so, well, we, have, we still have about, uh, about eight minutes left. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the relationship between IT and city government. I have to expect that in Palo Alto, which is such a tech-centric city, it should be good, right? Um, but, uh, you know, how do I, you know, I, I'm, my background's in IT, uh, and I was an enterprise architect for many years. I know that IT people love technology. They don't necessarily love the business side of things and learning the civic side. Uh, so, well, do you have those kinds of issues, or, or is the relationship really good, or can you give us kind of how are you dealing with the, the IT, you know, business divide? Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting question, because you have to ask, what's the motivation for people who come to work for uh, government and, and, and a city, you know, one of the things that's happened over the last five years that I've been in the city is we've, we've had quite a few retirements. We've uh, seen some turnover and, and I had the chance as a consequence to uh, hire a whole new set of technologists for the city. And, and so that's helpful because I get to, you know, with my colleagues, um, create a culture based on hiring. And that's often one of the ways in which you can you can shape the future um, of your organization, mm-hmm. um, but the really kind of localized I- interest here is how do we hire people when technologists could work for all the amazing tech companies that are yes in, that's the big question right and and so if the answer if I said to you well we get people because we pay more. I, <laughs> I've been lying, right? Right, exactly. Well, the public sector, that's the big problem. Here in D.C., uh, people make an appeal to the, those who are very mission-oriented. Those who want to do good, is, that is just as important as them having a high salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can get people who are, who are more, uh, have that kind of giving spirit uh, and are more inclined to, to, to work for a public sector for less pay because they get to have work in a, in a mission-oriented environment. Well, I think you. I think you. That's exactly right. I think that's what we've done here, is we sell experience and we sell meaningfulness. So it kind of gets back to your question: is you know the relationship between IT and the city. You know, you're coming here because you want to make a difference. I'm no longer trying to hire you for a career. Uh, if you, look, if you stay and you you have a career here, that's awesome. But if you just come for three or four years, that's really cool too, because you probably uh, want to get back to the private sector anyway. Um, so we, we sell meaning and, and people are here, the relationship between my team and, and all the different, um, divisions and departments is strong. Um, people believe in libraries and, and our police and our, and our fire and, uh, you know, our, 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 um, public works guys. And so, uh, I, you know, it, it's going to be a little unique because the experience is different. I, I know I worked for 20 years in the private sector. I know, 
<laughs> the relationship between mm -hmm. IT and the business is often uh, contentious and and doesn't go smooth. Uh, but I, I think we've I think we've um, we've we've groomed a uh, a very positive experience here in, in in the city of Palo Alto. I think by having um, my team members uh, immerse themselves in departments. Uh, can I give you just one quick example? We yeah. have a program that we do every year. Uh, it's on everybody's appraisal here in, in, on the IT team, which is it's called walk in your shoes. It's real simple. Everybody in the IT team has to spend at least four hours um, shadowing a colleague outside of IT. And every year you have to choose a different person. And it shouldn't be a friend. It should be somebody you've never worked for. So we want people to spend four hours with a librarian or with a utilities uh, engineer. Uh, and it builds trust. You learn about someone else's job. They learn about yours. You share issues, um, and, and we require that you get appraised uh, on that uh, on that work. So that's one of the ways in which we and, and we had a lot of CIOs on the show, uh, including Joanna uh, Young last week, who said that very same thing. That is proven to be the most effective onboarding tool is to see what people in the city, the work city workers, actually do on the job, as opposed to hearing about it in meetings. Right. So that, that's great to hear that data point. Certainly. And so. Um, we have time for a couple more questions. Um, so what about smart cities? Isn't that an attractive technology? Does not allow you uh, to draw uh, uh, and access better talent? Um, uh, and and the, the, as a related question to that is, what's, what is, how much does culture play in the types of changes that, that, that we're making, right? So you have to bring in this new talent, um, and you have to get you have to scale up all the people you, you already have on smart cities. Is that a challenge? We were, we were, we were talking about this briefly before the show started. And you were saying that you know the uh, the city um, the, the IT people can't, can't pull too far ahead of the rest of the team to, in order to be successful. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of lot of lot of great questions there. I mean, this is a, the, the the issue of uh, where are the projects, the innovation projects, relative to the mind share of of the recipient. I mean, that that's something that is an art, probably more than a science, often, right? If 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 you as a as a IT team and as an IT leader are pushing forward with something you you think uh, well something that is a response to a need, but you're pushing quickly and and the, and the organization is not ready. Um, you're you're going to learn about that pretty soon. By the way, actually, it, it, it will it will manifest in in ways that are pretty obvious. You know, people will reject the technology, um, and so uh, I think every IT leader you know has to has to confront that. Um, what was the what was the first question you asked? Um, well, I'm just uh, suggesting that, that the smart cities actually might be a big ah. talent attractor, right? Right. Uh, right. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you're bringing these people who are going to want to do so much, and is that going to kind of leave the rest of the organization behind? So that's yeah. where I find those two uh, together. Uh, thank you for the reminder. It's a uh, great question. Um, I, I don't think that we're using it quite yet as a, as a recruitment tool. Um, I wouldn't like to sort of focus too exclusively on the technology. I think when we when we try to sell the experience here and, and and why this work is so important i think it's we have to go back to the people experience what it means to be uh to live in this community or to live in this region and benefit from the way in which the service is delivered um there there could be a challenge i think over the medium to long term of overselling the technology at the cost of the bigger mission, which is you know livability, workability, and sustainability, mm -hmm. uh, three sort of objectives. Um, I think for a technologist, we're selling a bigger uh, set of uh, qualities. Uh, we might call it smart city, or smart city might be part of it. 
Um, but look, if you're listening to this and you never considered to work in a government, you're going to work on cloud. You're going to work on AI, Internet of Things, you know, big data. Uh, I mean, some of the coolest work in the world, yep. and, and it's yep. the hardest, most complicated, and most meaningful work. So I, I think we, we, there, there's a great story to be told, and, and it's a great place to, to play, um, to spend uh, 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 either a part or your career. Yeah, no, fantastic and very well said. So, Jonathan, one final question. So you've now been uh, the CIO of the city of Palo Alto for a while now. Um, and uh, you have deep expertise, uh, 25 years of uh, expertise in the IT field. Given everything that's, that's going on right now, what advice would you have to CIOs just coming into a role like yours in, in the public sector um, based on the lessons learned that you have? What, what would you tell them that, um, that could help them? Well, when I, when I was thinking, I thought you might ask this question. So um, I could give a few sort of cliched answers, you know, be a good listener, you know, work with the business. Um, which is still true, but yeah, it's, uh, you had to do that anyway. <laughs> you got to do that anyway. People have heard all that. I, I go back to sort of the question, um, what is it that I do that has helped me be successful or to, to be able to deliver value uh, consistently? And uh, one of the things that I see as a fairly continuous characteristic is um, is, is a persistence, right? is a persistence. Uh, it's very easy to be distracted. It's very easy to be for people to say no. And it doesn't matter if it's in the public sector or the private sector. When you're an IT leader and you by by definition, you're a disruptor in many ways because you're you're probably at some point going to change the status quo by introducing new technology. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for people to say no or to push back. And, and so if you didn't have maybe the strength or the, or the courage of your convictions, you might stop. You might say, okay, you might go in a different direction. Um, and, and there's, and there's going to be appropriateness for that. But I, I would say this, if, if you have the courage, of your convictions, you're well-informed, well, you know, you've, you've engaged people, you, you, you believe in what needs to happen. It's this fundamental quality, you think, of, of, of being persistent um, despite all the roadblocks that you, that you might in, in encounter. And it, persistent doesn't mean being inflexible. I don't think those are equating. I'm saying persist, but be flexible. Yeah, and adaptable, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very, very, very great advice. So, uh, Jonathan, um, thank you very much for appearing on CXO Talk, um, well-known CIO and, and thought leader in your own right. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us for CXO Talk. Uh, please join us again on Friday, uh, July 21st, 4.30 p.m. ET, um, uh, where we have uh, our show founder, Michael Krigsman, will be talking with the CEO of Genpact. Thanks, and have a great day. Mm -hmm.